Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You may have noticed there was a little break, not in content being produced, but in the schedule that I had been going with. You may have noticed that I was every week putting out an episode corresponding to a chapter in my book, How They Love Mary. But then I had to take a little break, partly because I didn't have the interviews for the book recorded, and it was in part I was struggling to find interviewees. It was also just coordinating our schedules. So I knew that I needed to take a break from that, but I had other interviews that I wanted to put out. So that's why we've been having the different style of interviews, and I hope that you've appreciated that. And now I am happy that we are going to return to this discussion of my book, How They Love Mary, on each Monday. There will be an episode corresponding to the figure that I cover. And today's figure, I don't have anybody to interview about. So it's going to be a relatively short episode, but maybe that's good. Gets us back in the rhythm of it. But I want to talk about Mother Mary Frances. She was a poor Claire Colletine. And I write about her, of course, and how they love Mary and how I came to find her. And it's a very simple story. When I was at Conception Seminary in Missouri, the librarian would put out different books on this table, and then you could sign a book out and you would check it out and have it for a time. They were kind of the featured books, and they would do that for different seasons of the year, Advent and Lent. And for Advent, they had a book by this Mother Mary Francis. It was called Come, Lord Jesus, Meditations on the Art of Waiting. And I thought, oh, this looks like a very good Advent book. So I signed it out. I chose that book to be the one that I pray with during the season of Advent. It was such a beautiful book of meditations. In the Advent book, Come Lord Jesus, Advent itself is a season that has a Marian character to it. And in that book then, she has reflections on the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, a feast day on December 8th. She has a reflection on Our Lady of Guadalupe, because the monastery that Mother Mary Frances was a part of down in Roswell, New Mexico, was Our Lady of Guadalupe Monastery. So she had a reflection about Our Lady in that regard. But then you can see Our Lady all throughout the readings, all throughout the reflections. Mother Mary Frances was born in 1921, and she died in 2006. For 40 years, she was the abbess of the Poor Clare Monastery of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Roswell, New Mexico. She wrote a lot of different books, and a lot of times these books, so like Come Lord Jesus, were just these different conferences that she would give to the religious sisters in her community, to the cloister nuns. So sometimes before Vespers, she would give a little talk. She would give a formation seminar. There are lots of different books then that she has written, as I mentioned, one of the popular ones for discernment is A Right to Be Mary. really just talks about the life of a cloistered nun, of a poor Claire Colletine. But it's a useful book for anyone, really, who is uh, looking at religious life. When I was newly ordained a priest, a new book of hers came out, even though she was deceased. Essentially, what's happened is that the nuns have collected all of her writings, and they've been looking through and going through them and compiling them and creating new books. 
So in 2015, they released a Lenten book of meditations, a time of renewal. And that book was also very good. I picked it up, read it every day of Lent. A lot of times my preaching on a daily mass or even at weekend masses would include inspiration from Mother Mary Francis. Come Lord Jesus and a time of renewal are both Lent and Advent books that I make use of every year. I always pull those books off and say, this is what I'm going to read. Mother Mary Frances has had such a profound influence on my spiritual life. I was really blessed in October of 2021 to be able to visit New Mexico. I wanted to go to New Mexico in part because of the staircase of St. Joseph. It was the year of St. Joseph. I wanted to get there, see that. But the other motive of the trip was to go to Roswell to celebrate Mass and to talk with the sisters there. When I had the idea of How They Love Mary, the book, before the podcast, this book was five or six years in the making. And when I had that idea, I wrote the nuns and I said, Dear sisters, I want to write a book about Marian devotion of, at the time, just American holy men and women. I've been profoundly moved by the book, Come Lord Jesus, and a time of renewal. Do you have any information that you could send me about the Marian devotion of Mother Mary Frances? And that began a yearly correspondence between these nuns and myself. Every year, they would send me a note in the mail. They'd ask how the book was coming along, and I would tell them, well, I've asked publishers. They're not too interested in it right now, but maybe soon the book will come to be. It's an interesting thing that this book, How They Love Mary, it took five, six years to write. I wanted it to be really my first book, I would think. But if the book would have been published then, it would be a lot different than what it is today. So I'm grateful for the time. Go back to that title of the Advent book of Mother Mary Francis, Come Lord Jesus, Meditations on the Art of Waiting. I had to wait to publish How They Love Mary until it was the right time in God's providence. As I was corresponding with the sisters, they told me, you know, in just a year or two from now, we're going to have a new book come out called Cause of Our Joy. And it's going to be a lot of the meditations of Mother Mary Francis on the Blessed Mother. And that's really the primary text for my chapter in How They Love Mary. So she goes through different titles of Our Lady from the Litany of Loretto. She reflects on different rosary mysteries, different feast days of Our Lady. It's a beautiful book. I recommend it for the month of May. Be a nice companion book with How They Love Mary. We're also in the midst of a three-year Eucharistic revival that the U.S. bishops have called for. And in this revival, it's to deepen our appreciation of the Holy Eucharist. One of the more popular prayers that one might pray after communion is to pray the Anima Christi. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. So forth and so on. Mother Mary Francis has a book on the Anima Christi published in 2001, and that might be a rich text for the year of Eucharistic revival. When I was down in Roswell, New Mexico, I was able to talk with the mother abbess of the monastery and also another sister. We had a nice little chat there. And uh, mother actually had done her research on me. She had looked me up, read my biography, and she said, I see that you wrote about Father Daniel Lord. Do you know that Mother Mary Francis had a friendship with Father Daniel Lord? 
that she went and saw him before she entered the monastery? I said, I had no idea, but look at that. Two of my holy heroes had a friendship, and how beautiful that is. My time in Roswell was super blessed, and I hope to be able to make it down there again sometime soon. Being in the company of consecrated religious is always a supreme blessing because they pray for you and you're able to join them in prayer. I have recommended Mother Mary Francis to so many people. I tell people, you have to read Come Lord Jesus as their Advent meditation book. And I'll tell you, of all the people that I recommended it, of all the people that have gone and they've picked the book up off the shelf and they've read it, there's not a single person that hasn't told me that that book has profoundly touched and moved their lives. Everyone was always so grateful for the recommendation. And that's one of the things about the book, How They Love Mary, is that I really wanted it to not only focus on the popular saints. Yes, we talk about Padre Pio and Therese of Lisieux. We've done those interviews already. But I wanted to introduce you to people like Mother Mary Francis and Father Lucas Etlin, who we're going to hear about next week, and to Father Aloysius Schwartz, who I heard an interview about on the radio from Kevin Wells, and I said, this is one of the most heroic priests that I've ever heard their story. I wanted you to know the stories of those who people don't know. And so I hope that you'll be able to get to know Mother Mary Francis. I have the book Cause of Our Joy in front of me, and I hope the publisher won't mind, but I would just like to read because today is August 22nd, so it is the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. And I thought it would be very appropriate simply to read the words of Mother Mary Francis, to read that chapter, that meditation for our episode today. August 22nd, the Queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Expansive Tenderness. No matter how much the world talks about democracy, there is that in the human heart which loves the idea of royalty. We experience this as we reach out toward the lovely memorial of the Queenship of Our Lady, set so beautifully by Holy Church on the octave day of her Assumption into Heaven. It is as though our great teacher, Holy Mother Church, is saying, Yes, we have had this great solemnity. She has been assumed into heaven, whose queen she is, but she is still queen on earth. Now let us celebrate her queenship, still perduring, always to perdure upon the earth. The queen in heaven, crowned by her son, the queen of the angels, is still the one who walked the homely paths of the earth, the queen of our lives, the queen who understands all our needs, all our sufferings, all our labors, all our frustrations. As I looked down the lovely roster of her queenship in the litany of Loretto, I wondered which one to choose for this reflection. What makes her queen of apostles? What makes her queen of patriarchs? She was not an apostle or a patriarch, but for today, let us look to her as the queen of consecrated lives. We look at her today as the queen of virgins, the queen of men and women consecrated to God, and of all Christians consecrated by their baptism and living chastely according to their vocation. The spiritual manifestations of consecrated chastity are expansiveness of spirit and tenderness of heart. At the Annunciation, her expansiveness of spirit and tenderness of heart show her as one already becoming qualified to be the queen of virgins, who has ever exercised greater expansiveness of spirit. One called to be the mother of God needs to break through the barriers of thought of human consideration. This is 
much too big for any human being to absorb, to understand. How can a woman, a human creature, be the mother of the Divine Son? She had to allow her mind to be expanded by God. And how did she do this? In suffering and in humility. The Gospel says she was greatly troubled at what the angel said. Surely you and I find this hugely comforting. Our Lady did not say, Oh yes, whatever God says. St. Luke does not say she was a little perturbed or that she was not quite sure what this meant. He says that she was greatly troubled. She suffered. She did not know how to get a hold of this. She did not know how to cope with this, what was being put before her. Allowing God to expand her spirit and love, she was able not so much to accept it as to receive it. And then the fact that it was so far beyond her came to make no difference. So she could reply with all tenderness the other aspect of the consecrated love that made her already at that moment queen of virgins. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, Luke one thirty-eight. After having allowed God to expand her spirit, she did not say, Behold, here I am, willing to be the mother of God. Rather, she said, Behold, here I am, the handmaid, the one who is least and last, the one waiting on the next turn of the hand of God, the next wave of his divine hand, so to speak. He was to wave her down many avenues in her long and suffering life. We see in her the tender response of an expanded spirit flowing out of humility, whereas the proud mind is always constricted, and the proud heart is always harsh. With expansiveness of spirit, we see in the Queen of Virgins at the visitation, now she had this great mystery before her, and it was obviously a time to be alone and reflect on what had happened, but there was the need of Elizabeth, which required a great expansiveness on entry level. On the natural level, it was a very arduous journey in those times, a dangerous journey certainly one involving much fatigue and weariness. But her spirit was expanded beyond its own present, even though in this present she was being called to be the mother of God. This did not turn her in upon herself in contemplation of her own mystery, but it expanded her. So the first act that the scriptures record of her after she became the mother of God is that she went out to help someone. We see the tenderness with which she did this in her response to Elizabeth, the Magnificat, the greatest poem of all time, the only one that we know Our Lady composed, and it is enough for a lifetime. She opened her heart and tenderness to her cousin and told her how she felt. She told her cousin about her joy. It was an extremely intimate confidence, a profound sharing. She told her that the mighty God had accomplished great things and that she saw herself as the little handmaid. She confided to Elizabeth that God looked at her and asked something of her. She went on to tell Elizabeth what she obviously had been pondering in prayer. Through her own deep understanding of the scriptures of the Old Testament, she confided, I know this now. He does put down the mighty, and he does raise up the lowly, and he does send the rich on their way, and he does feed the hungry. Certainly this meeting at the visitation was one of the tenderest sharings in history. We see her with expanded spirit and heart, thinking far beyond her own comfort, or even her own prayer, her own contemplation, her own need to be alone. In the third mystery of the rosary, the nativity of our Lord, what expansiveness of spirit was called for from the queen of virgins. She had to see beyond rejection at the inns and hostels, beyond the tremendous inconvenience, what she had to go through in traveling to Bethlehem at the terminus of her pregnancy, riding on mule back, and then see beyond the cave, 
beyond the dumb animals, to see the glory of God, to see in faith, to believe. Was there ever expansiveness of spirit like this? Because her spirit was so expanded, she was, as a virginally consecrated person should be, at home with the world. We see Our Lady at home in the cave, at home with the animals, at home with the shepherds, at home with the angels, and at home with the kings from the east, because she was indeed a queen. Her queenliness depended not upon the situation or the associates, but upon her own caliber. She was her queenly self with angels singing, with shepherds piping, with kings adoring, with animals braying. The brief expression of Luke is full of tenderness. She wrapped him up. It does not say that she brought him forth and that she fell down on her face in adoration. She was full of the tenderness of a maternal queen. Yes, she believed this was the Son of God, but he was a little creature. And so she wrapped him up in swaddling clothes, and then she set him down as though immediately to give him over to us. These are some aspects of Our Lady as Queen of Virgins, showing us the expansiveness of spirit and tenderness of heart that are the manifestations of consecration. Let us examine ourselves on the expansiveness of our spirits. Surely we know, all of us, to our heavenly shame, that the boundaries of our spirit can become less and less expanded. We are more and more concerned about our interests, our work, our needs, our difficulties. We are then defeating the grace of our baptismal consecration, which is meant to open the mind. If more is asked, more grace will be given. This is how Our Lady also proceeded. For us, as for her, expansion of spirit is always something that we allow God to do. Our little spirits can become so closed in we see what is before us. It can seem impossible. Sometimes it can seem onerous or far too demanding. Yet love leads us to open ourselves to God's divine action, to the expansion of spirit that he alone can accomplish within us. When she was greatly troubled, we never find Our Lady wringing her hands. Never do we find her turned in upon herself, but we find her expanded more and more until that final moment, when she burst the bonds of death more swiftly than anyone else ever did. Someone has called her our briefest dead. We see always in her that tenderness. We want to examine ourselves about that too. Are we allowing humility to be so nurtured in us by grace that we become more tender? Or is pride making us perhaps more demanding, harsher? These things always go together. It is the tender-hearted person who is expanded, who sees far beyond her own immediate interest, needs, or difficulties. It is the expanded spirit that is tender but is never harsh or rigid. Let us take these thoughts and ponder them in prayer. That's her reflection on Mary as Queen of Virgins, corresponding to the Feast of Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, celebrated on August 22nd. One of the things she brought out in that reading, you heard it, she said that this is the only poem that Our Lady composed that we know of. Now, technically, Our Lady kind of paraphrases from the Old Testament. Nevertheless, she mentioned poetry. Mother Mary Frances was a poet. She has books of poetry. You can read them. In this book that I just read from, Cause of Our Joy, right after that reading is The Details for the Death of Our Lady. And so it is a poem that she wrote about that. I also thought it was very interesting because when it comes to the Assumption of Our Lady, you can believe 
as an immortalist that Mary was taken up body and soul in heaven without experiencing death. You can believe that Mary died, or you can believe that she was in a trance-like state and that she was translated body and soul, so kind of fell asleep in the Lord and then was taken up. But if you want to know what Mother Mary Frances believes about the Assumption, I think she brings it out here. Never do we find her turned in upon herself, but we find her expanded more and more until that final moment when she burst the bonds of death more swiftly than anyone else ever did. So saying that she did burst the bonds of death. That is the position of Mother Mary Frances. For the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary in this book, Cause of Our Joy, there's different poems for each of the rosary mysteries. And so in poem number 15 for the coronation, very simple, fiat, now worn like a crown, that Mary's yes to God, she wears it like a crown in heaven. If you are looking for some spiritual reading, I would always recommend Mother Mary Francis, whether you're a consecrated religious, a priest, whether you're a layman or woman, she has something to say to all of us. She is one of my heroes, and that's why I proudly included her in the book, How They Love Mary. At the end of each episode, there's always kind of this call to action. Usually it's, where can you find more information? I would encourage you to look up the Monastery of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Roswell, New Mexico. Their website is poorclares-roswell.org. I'll put that in the show notes. But you know what I would love? Is that all of us who are listening today, if we just sent some sort of monetary donation to the nuns to thank them for praying for us and praying for the church, maybe send them five, ten dollars Write them a note and say that you heard about their monastery from Father Edward Looney and his book, How They Love Mary, and his podcast, How They Love Mary. Let them know that Mother Mary Frances, although she has died in the Lord, that she's still touching lives today and that you know her now and that her legacy will remain. When I was in Roswell with the nuns, they gifted me a piece of Mother Mary Frances's habit as a little relic. She's not a saint, I know. She could be a saint. I consider it a relic, and it's one of my most treasured possessions. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks. I love their shirts. And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.